Pastor John Cannon and the Congregation of Victory Church welcome you to this message from the Word of God. It is our heartfelt desire to see you grow closer to the Lord and to help you become all that He has created you to be. Our prayer is that through this ministry you would come to know Him in a greater way and that these teachings from Scripture would better equip you to fulfill His plan in your life. Now, let's join Pastor John as we study the Word together. chapter 6. This is a continuation of what we are doing in the 930 hour for this six-week period where we are teaching and we are just discussing one with another on the theme of confident parenting. And uh, today we're just trying to unpack and learn the lesson of the Shema. And that's found in Deuteronomy chapter 6. The word Shema is a Hebrew word which means to listen or to hear. And it's a very... um, often quoted passage of scripture for for the Jews and it's one of the oldest commands that God gives us in the word of God is that we are to be passing our faith down to the next generation and that's what we're going to be unpacking a little bit today as we talk about and discuss a little bit about the lesson of the Shema. Now everyone should have a handout on the front side of that handout uh, is our Sunday school class time and I want to encourage you to come I'd love for you to be here next week uh, young and old uh, and be a part of this study as we continue going through this we'll finish it the first Sunday in uh, this is what all first Sunday in September will be our last Sunday doing this and then we'll be going back to all of our D6 classes but this is just a good break uh, give our teachers a break uh, give everyone else a break uh, I've got two goals in doing this actually three number one is to help train us in the Word of God and train us as parents what our biblical roles are. The second thing I want us to do is to be able to connect with other people. Uh, You often find that when we get in groups, we almost isolate ourselves there. And I want to give you an opportunity to connect with other members of the church family and let you share and hear a little bit about their story. And the third goal is I want our younger generation to sit at the feet of the older generation, which is what we're commanded to do in Scripture when Timothy told told the, the, the older women to teach the younger and the older men to teach the younger. And that whole principle, I'm hoping we can try to bring that dynamic into this study group time and engage in that so that the younger generation can learn from the older. And it creates that opportunity uh, to do that. So that's kind of the, the purpose and the goal of our breakout sessions on Sunday morning at 9.30. It's a very interactive group. Um, our groups, we had about four or five groups this morning, about ten apiece in the groups. Uh, we don't want them to get any larger than that. Actually, it'd probably be better if they got a little bit smaller. So we kind of break them up as folks come in. So come and be a part of us, ne- a part of that next Sunday morning at 9.30. Last week, we talked about being a transitional generation. You see, everyone doesn't have a perfect model of the Christian family to go by. Everyone doesn't have the perfect model of a Christian dad or a Christian mom to go by. And so what we've got to do, we've got to realize there's some principles in the Word of God on how we are to live our lives and even how we are to parent our children. And we're going to be intentional, no matter where you are on the spectrum, We are going to be intentional with this generation to somewhat change our legacy and our family tree and pass down uh, the faith to our children, whether we've seen that modeled in our parents or grandparents or not. That's what we talked about last week. 
Today we're talking about the lesson of the Shema. And it's found in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse number 4. I want you to turn there in your Bibles. I want you to really get a hold of this passage of Scripture. Matter of fact, this passage of Scripture summarizes the entire faith for the children of Israel. And it's at the nucleus of everything that we believe in and that we stand on as far as the principles found in the Word of God. It says, listen Israel in verse 4. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these words I'm giving you today are to be in, what's the next word? Your heart. I don't know about you, but if you mark in your Bibles, and I mark all through my Bible as I'm studying and looking at key passages and key words, if there's a word you need to underline as a parent or as a Christian or as a believer, it's that word, your, that is found in verse number 6. Look what he says. These words that I'm giving you today are to be in, say it with me, your, your heart. These words that I'm giving you today are to be in your heart. These words I'm giving you today are to be in your heart. See, if we don't possess it, if we don't claim it, if we don't live by it, if we don't grow in our own faith, there's no way in the world we can carry out the rest of the command of passing down the faith to our children and to our grandchildren and from one generation to another. So I think that's a valid point of Scripture that we really need to get a hold of. These words I'm giving you today are to be in your heart. And then it says in verse 7, Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead and wrap them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. What is the, the big idea, if you will, for this lesson today? If you don't get anything else, I want you to get this. And I think I'm going to have it for you on the screen. The big idea is this. The first layer of spiritual influence depends and rests upon the parent and then the church. Remember last week I talked about how we, we've gotten to the point in America today where we outsource everything. And we look for specialists in different fields that we want our children or even ourselves to excel in. And we try to find a specialist to teach and train our children in that particular area. I mean, whether it's baseball, whether it's soccer, whether it's underwater basket weaving, whatever it is that we want our children to excel in, we want to get them under the best tutor, under the best coach, under the individual on the select team so that they can travel with the best and be what? Be the best they can be in sports. Now, I'm not against that to a degree. I'm not against that. Nothing wrong with sports. I love sports. I enjoy playing sports. I enjoy watching Mr. Lauderdale coach sports. I mean, he does a great job. I'm not against sports. But I am against when we put sports or anything else before the spiritual training or the discipline, the spiritual disciplines in our home and in our family and in our lives. Amen? I mean, seek ye first, Matthew 6, Seek ye first, the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these other things will be added unto you. So we, we find these, these professionals that specialize in this field and we push our children in that direction so they can be trained by the very best. You see, the problem is we bring that mentality into the church world. And we think, okay, what I want to do now is push my children and push my family to the professional discipleship makers. Hello? 
We'll look for the best Sunday school teacher and we'll get our children there. We'll look for the best teaching we can get spiritually and we'll push our children there. We'll look for a youth group that has all the bells and whistles and we'll push our children there. Now, nothing wrong with all those things. But nowhere in Scripture do you find that the pastor or the youth pastor or the Sunday school teachers are to be the spiritual trainers in the home. Do you? Now, you do find that we are to equip you. Ephesians 4.12 My job as pastor is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. So my job is to equip you to be the spiritual role model, the spiritual discipleship maker, the spiritual trainer in your family. And it's almost like we got that reversed in this culture today, don't we? We kind of, you, you see, we all love our kids, and we all love our families, and we want all the boxes to be checked. We, we, we want them to get a good education. We want them to excel in extracurricular activity, whatever that may be. We want them to have social skills. And we want them to get saved and get baptized and get their hearts and lives right with God. I mean, every parent wants to check that box. Do we not? But the problem is we outsource that. And we just push them in directions so we can get those boxes checked. The Scripture is teaching us one of the oldest commands in Scripture is that the primary discipleship maker, the primary influencer concerning the things of God is the parent and then it's the church and so that's really what we're trying to do around here and that's the idea behind this entire lesson today that I want you to understand as we get into the Word of God in Deuteronomy chapter 6 how many has ever made this statement when you have children you say boy they just did not come with a manual you know we, we've all kind of made that statement boy if I only had some direction if I only had a road map well you know what we find in Deuteronomy chapter number 6 we find a road map. Here we find some ways that we can get some direction for our families. That's the good news. The bad news, it's not easy. Are you with me? It's not easy. The good news is we have a road map. You know what it is? It's the Word of God. The good news is we have a road map. You know what it is? It's the Shema. The good news is we have a road map. You know what it is? Deuteronomy 6. The bad news is, it's not easy to live, especially in this culture. Am I the only one that feels like that? If, if I, I, I'm, I don't know what it is. I feel a disconnect. I don't know if you guys are with me or not, or if you even, are, are, you, are you with me? I mean, I want you, I, I'm not a perfect parent, and I'm not going to sit here and act like I'm a perfect parent. Um, my wife and I had this discussion this morning. Boy, if we, could, if we only knew now. If we could only take our knowledge that we have now and we could rewind that thing about 20 years and pour that knowledge into us when we were 20, Something. 23, 4, I'm 5, 25, I'm 45, I'll be 46, wanna, man, I'm getting old, aren't I? You know, if I could, if I could, if I could take what I know now and just push the rewind button of my life and go back at least 20 years to when we first had our children. And now move forward. Deb and I both said this morning, boy, we wish we could do that. And you know what I told her? I said, I believe if every parent would be truthful with themselves, 
Every parent would say that. Boy, the lessons we learn in life. How we grow. You, you know, I don't know about you, but I'm one of those hard-headed, stubborn guys. And it seems like I've always got to learn the lessons. You know where I'm going with this? The hard way. Hello? I'm just, that's just my nature. That's how I've been. I've got to learn them the hard way. But thank God I learned some lessons and I guess maybe that's why it's so wonderful being a grandparent for all you grandparents out there. Huh? <laughs> you know, you got that knowledge and you now you can pour it into your grandchildren and you realize that as a parent, some of the things we get so upset about really don't even matter in the full view of things. Tyler had one of his buddies and brought her little girl over to the house last night and we sat out there, and of course, I'm thinking, okay, i got to get this girl a popsicle. She's, what, eight months old, I think, Tyler? Ten months old. Eight or ten months old. She's got a few little teeth, and she's got to have a popsicle. Well, I don't even know if mom and dad wanted her to have a popsicle. But you know, she's just got to have a popsicle. I said, Debbie, don't we have some popsicles around here? And she went frantically searching all through the house, and we finally found some, uh, a popsicle and said, here. You know, and then she ate the popsicle, and then I pulled out one of those big nutty buddies, and we ate ice cream together, and she was eyeballing my peanuts, and I'm thinking, does she want this too? You know, I would have given it to her. I guess, I don't know, maybe that's how it feels a little bit to be a grandparent, and the parents are like, I don't know if she should have that. It'll be okay. You know? It'll be okay. Yeah, the outfit's going to get messed up. She's going to get all sticky, and she may not sleep for another hour or so after the sugar high, but it's going to be okay. You know? Boy, the knowledge you have, and you're able to pour into the next generation as you live life a little bit. That's where I'm discovering where I am. I want to stand before you today as transparent as I know to be and let you know that I am not a perfect parent. And I have not been a perfect parent. I've had some shortcomings as a dad. And I've even addressed that with my children. And I want them to know, hey, we did the best that we could do with the knowledge that we had at the time. We never had a model. We never saw it displayed in our homes and our families. Just discovered it from the Word of God. What's Troy back there talking about now? I hope he's saying amen. But the point is, I want us to realize that we as parents... We are the first layer of spiritual influence on the family and then the church. As Jim Burns pointed out in our DVD study this morning, and you can fill these blanks in on your notes today, the Shema provides for us three foundational lessons for the family. And I want you to write these down. The first foundational lesson it, uh, it shares or applies to us is our loyalty to God. You remember I shared with you in verse number 6, these words I'm giving you today are to be in your heart. What words? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. I mean, the first thing that should take place is that the Word of God's got to be in our heart. Our children should see our loyalty to God. Amen? You know, as I've shared with you, I'm not a perfect dad. But I hope my kids can see one thing. I have tried my best to live for God. Amen? I hope we all can say that. And that's the foundational lesson that we learn in the home right here is that our loyalty to God must be first and foremost. And then secondly, there's the transmission of our faith to our children. Now this is done in formal settings as well as informal settings. The scripture says, 
These words I'm giving you today to be in your heart. Verse 7, repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. You know what it's saying right there? Is that we are to be looking for those moments where we can apply the principles of Word of God as we're going through our daily activities with our children. Is there a place for a family to get together and pray together and read the Scripture together? Yes, there is. But you know, let me tell you where the Scripture, I think, is driven home more. It's through the daily activities and the, as we're going about our day and as we're making decisions and as we're giving counsel to our, our children, that's what it means. As we are going throughout the day, when we get up, as we walk along the road, as we're going to school, as we're going to ball games, as we're going to math competitions, don't want to leave the math team out, as we're doing all these things, we're sharing some godly principles and counsel and direction with our families. Hello? The third lesson is that we are keeping constant mindfulness of the teachings of God. I want you to look at the latter part of that, of the Shema, found in verse number 8. The Scripture says, To bind them as a sign on your hand, and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorpost of your house, and on your gates. If you go back into the Orthodox Jewish family, especially at the time of the festivals and the different feasts that they observe, and the different times when they're really unpacking the Shema and, and really getting to the roots of their faith, you'll find that the Jewish people have something called phylacteries. Do you know what phylacteries are? Phylacteries are little boxes that hold the Scripture Primarily, they hold the Deuteronomy 6 scripture. A phylactery, and I wish I had a picture for it, but a phylactery is like a little leather box that the Jews would put on their head and they had a leather band and they would wrap it around their head and they would have the phylactery there with the scripture of the Shema in the phylactery. They would also have one on their hand or on their wrist of phylactery. Matter of fact, you may remember that Jesus drew attention to this when he spoke to the Pharisees of the day and he was rebuking them because they had enlarged the phylacteries to draw attention to themselves of how they were spiritual righteous men of God. And Jesus rebuked them for that self-righteous mindset that they were having. He said, why would you enlarge your phylacteries? Why would you enlarge the border of your garment? And the priests would have a border that signified that they were a priest on their garment. But they would enlarge that so you could see it from a distance that they were a priest. Jesus said, why are you doing that? Don't enlarge all that stuff. Just live by it. Now, they had something else called mezuzahs. Now, we've started in class 101 in our membership class of giving out a mezuzah to our church family just so you can get the idea. And a mezuzah is a little case that held the Shema and the Scripture. And they would put that on the doorpost of their house. That's what the Scripture means. Now, the Jews took that literally. But they would put the phylactery on their forehead. Why? To remind them of the... They would keep in mind, number three, keeping constant mindfulness of the teachings of God. They would memorize Scripture. They would think about Scripture. They would think about the principles of God. It would be in their mind, but also was on their hand, which symbolizes the way they lived, their actions, what they were doing. Not only were they to be mindful of the teachings, 
But they were to live out the teachings of the Word of God. Guys, that's what we are to be doing. Now, you don't have to go buy a phylactery and put it on your forehead or put it on your arm. You don't even have to go get a mezuzah and put it on your doorpost. You can if you want to. But you don't have to. The point is you're to live out and continually be mindful of the teachings of our God. It's got to be in your heart. It's got to be who you are. As I've shared with you, the first layer of spiritual influence is the parent, then the church. There's four things, and these are in your notes. Who is to impress, impress the faith to our children? Who is to do that? I want you to write down parents. Who is to impress the faith on our children? Do I not have that slide, Justin? It is parents. Where are we to teach and train? In the home. And as we're going through life. Do I not have that, Justin? Okay. (laughs) Who is to impress the faith on our children? It's parents. Who's to do this job? We are as parents. Where are we to teach? In our home. Amen? How are we to teach? By example. By the life that you live. you got to understand that more is caught than taught. The way we live our life. And then number four, what are we to teach our children? We're to teach them to love God and to love others. Those are the things that you need to jot down. Who's to do the teaching? Parents. Where are we to teach? In the home. How are we to teach? By example. What are we to teach? Love God, love each other. Amen? With that being said... I hope you're able to jot those things down. I want to fast forward a little bit. And I want to encourage us as parents. I want you to know that Brother Paul and myself are working on a strategy. And we're working on a plan. He and I have spent some time talking about this. I want, to, I want you to know that as parents, I'm going to try to place three responsibilities on you as parents. And then I'm going to place about 10 or 12 responsibilities on us as a leadership team on the church. You don't have to worry about these. This will be our leadership team doing these things and down throughout our church and because we want to get to the place where we can help equip you to be that godly father and that godly mother. But as parents, I would like for you to commit to three things. Write these down if you will, please. Daily. I want you to commit to God moments. Daily commit to God moments. So what is a God moment? That's the informal teaching that takes place as we go throughout our life. In other words, as the situation arises, as we see our children are involved in something, maybe with some friends, and something comes up. You know, there's always drama. Hello? There's always something going on. We need to be aware of those God moments. Be aware of those God moments where we as parents live by example, but also where we as parents speak truth into our children, and we share with them the Word of God. We're to model truth. We're to speak truth. That's those God moments. I want you to look for those. Now, they'll come, out, they'll come throughout your children's life. As they're going through an activity, as they're going through a situation where it may have to do with a relationship or it may have to do with some activity they're in, I want you to look for those God moments. And I want you to take advantage of those moments to speak truth and to model truth for your children. Okay? That's pretty easy, don't you think? Just be intentional and be aware and pay attention and look around for those opportunities to model and speak truth. Okay? Everybody with me? That's one thing I want to challenge you to do. The second thing I want to challenge you to do is weekly have what we're going to call faith talks. Now, what are faith 
talks. Faith talks are those moments and those times when you just sit down and you just have a spiritual, intentional conversation with your children. Now, it may be in the minivan. It may be in the car. It may be at Starbucks. You know, the dynamics of our culture has changed. It doesn't necessarily have to be in the living room. It may be as you're traveling from point A to point B, you're going to have an intentional spiritual talk. And you're going a particular direction. Matter of fact, I wrote, turn in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 22 and verse number 6. Proverbs chapter 22 and verse number 6 is a great passage of Scripture for all of us that we need to learn. Proverbs 22, 6. Now I'm reading from the Holman Christian Standard Bible, which reads a little bit different than the traditional King James Bible. Proverbs 22, 6. It says, Teach a youth, or your child, teach a youth about the way he should go. And even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now there's another key word that I want you to underline if you mark in your Bibles. I want you to underline the word he in the way he should go. Traditional verse of scripture that most of us probably memorized was train up a child in the way he should go. Okay? Why is that so important? Let me tell you why it's important. Because I don't care how many children you have, none of them are exactly alike. Hello? And that's okay. The worst thing you can ever do as a parent is parent every child in your family the exact same way. They're different. They have different personalities. They have different gifts. They have different abilities. God made them differently. Now, there are some generic principles that apply to all of us. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the specifics in training and helping to train that child in the way he should go. Guys, do you realize that Jeremiah 29, 11 is just as it is true for you is also true for your children? That God has a plan for you? He has a plan for your life, a plan to bless you, a plan to prosper you. That just as, just as true as that is for every adult that's here, that's also true for every child. And what we need to be praying as parents, Lord, help me to discern your will in leading our children in a path that is pleasing unto you. And as we lead each child, it's going to be a little bit different. I mean, personalities come into play. Hello? Are you all with me? Train a child in the way he should go. Every child is not going the same way. And that's okay. Hello? Hopefully every child is, child is walking in the will of the Lord... That's our ultimate goal. But the will of God may take one child that way and it may take another child that way. But we need to train them in the way he should go. I wrote down some notes in my Bible on that verse. Three things I wrote down about that verse. Relationship is your priority. You remember what I said last week? Rules without relationship equals rebellion. You remember that? Rules without relationship equals rebellion. So the number one priority for mom and dad is to have a relationship with their children. Be involved in their lives. Have those moments when you talk. As painful or as, or as difficult sometimes that it is. 
Sit down and talk. Have a relationship with Be involved in their life. Let them know you care about them. Let them know you love them. Let them know you're proud of them. Encourage them. Be a cheerleader for them. Hello? Establish a relationship with your children. Priority number one. The second thing I wrote down is that the Bible is your handbook. As we are training our children in the way that they should go, we're going to establish a relationship with them, priority number one. But then the Bible is our handbook. We're using the principles of the Word of God to teach and train our children the way they should go. Well, then ask the question, where's the classroom for all of this? Oh, I know. We've got to come into the home. And we've got to sit around the living room. And we've got to get out our Bibles. And we've all got to sit there. And we've got to be quiet. And nobody can talk. That's not the classroom. Let me tell you where the classroom is. Life. As we are living life with our children, that's the classroom. Hello? A relationship with our children, first and foremost, is a priority. The Bible is our handbook. And life is the classroom. But you see, if the Word of God is not in our heart... How in the world can we take advantage of the God moments and speak and model truth into the life of our children? Amen? Man, that's good stuff, isn't it? I told you, we've got a roadmap. That's the good news. Remember the bad news? You remember it? It's not easy, is it? Boy, we have to be intentional. So as parents, I want to encourage you to daily have God moments, weekly have faith talks, and then long-term, I want you to write down legacy milestones. I can't remember if that's in your, in your notes or not. You may say, what in the world are legacy milestones? This is where we as the church want to come alongside and help you as parents at every level of your parenting, and even grandparents at every level of grandparenting. We want to come alongside you and equip you as parents and grandparents to take advantage of the huge milestones that takes place in a child's life. Okay? Now that's where the work is going to be on my part. And I've already done tremendous amount of work on this. I've shared a lot of it with Paul as our D6 pastor of some things that we're going to start implementing. Let me share with you very quickly some of the legacy milestones. There's seven of them, and these are the ones that we're going to intentionally start working towards. Legacy milestone number one is parent-baby dedication. Now, the core competency in this is that the parent is the primary faith trainer. Whenever it comes time, whenever uh, our young adults have children and they come, you know, traditionally we have the, uh, the baby dedication and, and, uh, and, and you know, we really just kind of talk about dedicating that baby to the Lord and those parents fulfilling their role. And, and we've kind of done that to a degree, but we need to take it one step further and we really need to train the parent with the idea that they now are the primary spiritual influencer in that home. And there's going to be some classes for that. There'll be a seminar for that. There'll be some teaching for that. Matter of fact, if you're expecting to have children, you need to be proactive and start taking some of these classes that we're going to be offering to help you to learn how to parent a child instead of just figuring it out like I had to figure it out. Hello? So that's legacy milestone number one. Legacy milestone number two is salvation and baptism. Now, hopefully and prayerfully, your children somewhere between the age of 7 to 11. That's kind of the average age that most children come to Christ. We want to be very intentional of training parents 
Some come to Christ earlier, some come later, but that's the average age, 7 to 11. But we want to be intentional in helping trained parents how to lead their children to Christ, how to talk to them about faith, how to talk to them about biblical truth, how to talk to them about personal sin, how to talk to them about repentance, how to talk to them about salvation. You are the primary faith trainer. And so therefore, we are going to be intentional to help train you in some of these areas, and then we want to partner with you, okay? Legacy milestone number three is parenting for adolescents. The core competency here is spiritual growth and spiritual disciplines that you as a parent are going to help your children to obtain. Now, I don't know about you, but I had nobody helping me with this stuff. Hello? Nobody helped me with this stuff. I did four years of college, two years of a master's program. Nobody helped me with this stuff. They taught me theology. They never taught me how to practice it. We're going to be intentional to help equip parents to lead their children through these milestones. And preparing for, le- or preparing for adolescence is an area that we're going to be talking about. And we're going to be having some teaching and some training for that. Be watching for it. Legacy milestone number four is purity for life. The core competency there that we're going to be talking about is biblical purity. We're going to be talking about healthy relationships, identity in Christ. We're going to be talking about biblical sex. Does the Bible talk about sex? Yeah, it does. And moms and dads, you need to be having those conversations with your children. And you need to be seeing what does the Bible have to say about that. And then you need to be teaching that to your children. Listen, they're learning it at school. Huh? A lot of times... You know, I don't think we can start talking about that too early. If your kids are in the fifth grade, they've probably already heard about it. That's, I don't want to say it's too late. I don't think it's ever too late, but you're already behind the eight ball. Hello? Especially if they're in junior high, they've heard everything there is to know about sex from the world's perspective. And what we need to be is proactive as parents. Now, once again, I had nobody teaching me this as a parent. Then I just had to get in there and discover it for myself. But I, my passion is I want to come alongside you as parents and help train you and equip you for those moments in your children's life so that you can be the primary spiritual influencer on your family. Hello? Legacy milestone number five is the rite of passage. And the core competency there is we're going to teach what are the biblical roles of men and women and what their spiritual gifts are and what their services are. We're going to teach some, 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 some Baptist catechism, if you will, and get them ready for this rite of passage into adulthood, manhood and womanhood, and get them ready. Listen, your, your babies are growing up through the years, and they are becoming adults. And we need to prepare them for that. And we want to prepare you for that. And, and here's the cool thing about it. The cool thing is, you don't have to go through all these classes, get all this knowledge, get it all figured out. All you have to be is one chapter ahead of your kids. Okay? That's all you got to be. Just one chapter ahead. And that's our goal. You see, we're, if you got small children, we're not going to take you all the way over to the rite of passage. You're not ready for that. Just one chapter ahead. Man, you go back and share that with your kids, you're going to look like a spiritual giant. And as you work through all these legacy milestones, when it's said and done, we have taken you by the hand, and we as a church have fulfilled our duty of equipping you to be a spiritual leader in the home. And when you're through, man, you're living life in Christ, and it's going to be awesome. You're going to think, man, how would I do that? 
You did it because somebody took the time to teach you some biblical principles and foundations. That's where my heart's beating so hard right now. You want me to tell you why? Because nobody taught me. Nobody taught me. And I want to help teach you. So we don't have to know it all. We just got to be one chapter ahead. Legacy milestone number six is high school graduation. We sort of implemented this, this past high school graduation. We only just touched the surface. This is so much deeper than what we even just did. But this is the core competency here, our apologetics and dating and marriage and God's plan for our young people as they're fixing to leave the home and a uh, person of influence and life skills, helping our children to develop all of those. And that starts way before graduation. But we're going to start being more intentional about that and preparing our kids to leave home. And then legacy milestone number seven is life in Christ. What's that? The core competencies that we're going to be teaching there are prayer and scripture and authentic faith, obedient follower, disciple maker, and giving and serving in community and working together. John 15 and 5 says this, Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. And if a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And life in Christ is all about learning how to abide in Christ and follow Him and bear fruit. And you may say, well, what if I accept Christ later in my... What are we going to do for those people that, you know, at, at 35 years old, they, they accept Christ? Are we going to make them go back to legacy milestone number two and work through three? No, no, no. They just fast forward. They've already come through adolescence. Hello? <laughs> They've already done... Fast forward to life in Christ. And right there is where we work with all the adults... And we teach you biblical foundational principles that you can grow on and learn how to live life in Christ. Let me give you three action steps, actually four action steps in, in closing here today. Here's some things I would like for you to start implementing. Daily model your faith. Daily model your faith. Look for those God moments. Look for those opportunities to model your faith and speak truth into your children. I'd like to encourage you weekly, have some type of intentional spiritual faith talk. I mean, every week, be intentional about having some... It doesn't have to be a, a full, drawn-out devotional study with all with six or eight study questions, be an hour together as a family. It, it can be a five-minute intentional spiritual faith talk that you're having between school and soccer practice with your children as you're stopping by McDonald's to get dinner for the evening and driving to soccer whatever the case may be our culture is different and we can either rebel against it or embrace it and we better learn how to minister to families that are ingrained in this culture hello so look for once a week you say well shouldn't you do that every day you know what if you do it once a week that's a very good start hello so we want to be intentional and have once a week faith talk where we try to be intentional about some type of spiritual time together. And then monthly, here's what I'd like for you to do as a family. And we will help create opportunities like this. But monthly as a family, minister to the less fortunate in your local area. Look for an area in our communities. Matter of fact, I'm doing some research right now. I don't, do I have it in your notes about the Christian Activity Center in East St. Louis? I'm doing some research right now about this activity center. And it's pretty much all faith-based funded. 
It's a 501c3 organization that goes into East St. Louis and really helps with a lot of the, the latchkey kids that are just kind of left there. And, and, and boy, I, I'd, I'd love to see our church get more involved in maybe the work in East St. Louis. I mean, what a, what, a, what a vibrant mission field that is for us. And I'd love to see us there working. Hello? So as a family, we could get together and go there and get involved and help in our local area. But then yearly, as a family, minister to someone less fortunate somewhere else. In other words, some type of a mission trip. Whether it be in the States or it be overseas. But some type of mission trip. You see, here's the thing. We've got to get past this consumer mentality in the church. The consumer mentality says, I'm going to go to a church where they have all the bells and whistles, where they have all the great projection systems, where they have an awesome praise band, and where they have an awesome youth group, and, and they have all the bells and whistles, and I can go there, and man, they can serve me so well. That's a consumer mentality of what people are looking for in the church. That's an all-about-me mentality. You know what that really looks like? If you step back and look at that, you know what it really looks like? What's the new movie that just came out? What, somebody tell me a movie that just came out. Who? The Other Guys. Came out when? Friday. What, who's in that movie? Will Ferrell. That's the one about him being a cop or something like that, isn't it? All right. That movie, let's just say that movie just came out. And it did. We won't just say it came out. It did just come out. It came out Friday, right? That movie just came out. All right? Let's just say, let me use Eldon. Let's just say that a year ago, the movie producers that came out and they met with Eldon and they said, Eldon, on one scene of this movie, I want you to be a part of it. Now, all you're going to be is a person in the crowd. And as far as screen time, you'll have about two-fifths of a second. But you'll be on the screen for two-fifths of a second. And oh, oh yeah, by the way, Eldon, we're just going to see the back of your head. Okay? You're going to be in the crowd, and you're going to be in this scene of this movie, The Other Guys, that just came out starring Will Ferrell. But you're going to be in the scene, and we're just going to see the back of your head in the crowd for two-fifths of a second. Eldon's going to get all excited. I mean, wouldn't you? Matter of fact, you know what you'd do? The same thing that Eldon's fixing to do. He's going to call all of his friends. Hey, guys, just want to let you know the producers of the other guys just called me and they want me to be in the film. I'm going to be starring with Will Ferrell. Hello? And you know what? When that movie comes out at the Old Fallon Cinema, Eldon, because he's in the movie for two-fifths of a second, seeing the back of his head in a crowd, but he has invited all of his friends, he's invited all of his family, He's bought extra tickets. Matter of fact, he even bought all the tickets for one theater. And he packed it out and he said, this is where you get to see me in the movies. Now when it gets to that part of the scene, Eldon's going to be saying, now here I come, here I come, here I come, here I come. There I went, did you see me? Now you know what, as we watch this movie, we'd watch this movie and we think this movie is nothing about Eldon. But you know what Eldon says? This movie is all about me. I'm in this movie. I'm in this movie. I am on the screen. Two-fifths of a second. But I am on the screen. I'm in the movie. You can see the back of my head. It's all about me. I'm telling everybody, I'm in the movie. The other guys, come watch me in this movie. 
Let me ask you a question. Who's the movie about? Is it about Eldon? No. Who's it about? Most likely, I haven't seen it, Will Ferrell. And whatever else takes place in that movie. The other guy. The other guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, there you go. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> the movie's about the other guy. <laughs> Guys, may I remind you that God has chosen us to be in his movie. But the movie's not about us. The movie's about God. Oh, how do I know that? Well, Genesis 1-1 says what? In the beginning, God. What did he do? He created the heavens and the earth. Who's the movie about? God. Let's fast forward a few generations. God all of a sudden looks around. The, the world is filled with sin. So God sends a flood and destroys, destroys the entire earth because what? Of their sinfulness. But who sent the flood? God. Who's the movie about? God. Fast forward a little bit further. All of a sudden there's a bush that's burning. And God is in this bush that's a consuming fire that is not being consumed. And Moses is intrigued by it. He goes over and God says, take off your shoes for the place that you stand is holy ground. I've got a calling for you. I've got a service for you. Is it about Moses? No. Who's it about? God. We fast forward a little bit further. And all in the little town, in a little Jewish community, there's a little godly woman by the name of Mary that the Holy Spirit comes upon her and she conceives and she has a child. Whose child does she have? God's child. Who is born? God's son. Who's the movie about? Mary? God. His son walks this earth for 33 and a half years. His son is crucified. His son is buried in the tomb for three days. He comes out of the tomb victorious. He ascends back to the Father. Who's the movie about? God. By the way, have you even been born yet? Can you get the hint? The movie is not about you. I mean, you're going to have a scene. It's coming. About two-fifths of a second. But you've got to understand, it's not about you. Hello? Fast forward. Here, we've been born. We come to Victory Church. And we come in here. And we expect it to be all about us. The question, are we even what the movie is about? No. Guys, do you realize that everything that we've done here today, it's not about you. It's not about me. It's all about who? God. God. And one day, let's fast forward to the future. The church is going to be called out and raptured to be with the Lord. The earth's going to go through a seven-year tribulation period. Three years of wonderful peace like you've never... Three and a half years of wonderful peace like you've never seen. And then all of a sudden, all hell's going to break out. And it's called the Great Tribulation. And there's going to be three and a half years of pure hell on earth. Where the Antichrist would literally sit on David's throne. And he would demand worldwide worship. And if you do not worship him, you will be beheaded. At the end of that seven-year tribulation period, 
coming on a white stallion is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Hello? It's Jesus Christ, God's Son, the Messiah, the Redeemer, King of kings. Listen, who's the movie about? God. It's not about us. It's not about you. It's all about God. And God's listen, we've got to get out of the mindset where Victory Church is about me and what I want and where I want to go and what kind of music I want to listen to. Listen, it ain't about you. Woo, preacher. Amen. Somebody ought to clap. Hey, this movie's about God. It's not about whether you like this style of worship or not. It's not about whether you like metal chairs or not. It's not about whether you like being in a school gym or not. It's not about what kind of building you may want. It's not about what kind of youth group you're looking for. It's not about what kind of preaching you're looking for. Listen, it's all about God. Now, I'll tell you what, Satan's going to beat me up as soon as this is over with. And I'm going to leave here today and I'm going to get so discouraged. I'll be honest with you, the worst part of my entire week is every Sunday morning, as soon as church is over, I leave here usually depressed every Sunday morning. And you can ask my wife. And you know me tell you why it is? Because this is a spiritual battle. But something we got to understand is at the end of the book, we win. And at the end of the movie, we're going to walk away and say, what a great God we serve. But I wonder today, as we've talked about the Shema, which is all about God, nothing about us, all about God, where are you in your life? Where are you? I don't know, maybe you're here as a parent and you look at your parenting over the past several years. Maybe you're a young parent with just young children. Boy, your eyes have been opened up to some stuff that I never received when I was a young parent. But maybe you've parented and your kids are grown and maybe you look back and think, boy, I wish I could have done some things differently. Maybe you're a parent, you're halfway through and you're thinking, man, right now I need to make some changes. Maybe you're a grandparent and you think, you know what? I didn't do everything right as a parent, but I'm going to start this day doing things right as a grandparent. And I'm going to be a transitional generational grandparent that's going to make a difference. And I'm going to communicate to my family, it is all about God. And it's not about me. And we're going to have a song of invitation. And my wife and I were going to sing this song. But I'm not going to sing this song. Sorry, honey. We practiced yesterday. But but we are going to play this song. And I wonder. You know, we don't have nice, fancy altars. But you know what? We don't need them. Because it's not about a fancy altar. It's about doing business with God. And I think it's time that we as a church repent of the mindset, it's all about me and what I want and the direction that I want this church to go and what I want it to do and what I'm looking for in a ministry. And what I'm lo- Listen, it's not about you. It's not about me. It's God's movie. It's all about Him. And maybe we just need to come forward. And maybe we just need to just kneel and pray. You see, I think there's something, I don't know, call it old-fashioned if you will. But I just think there's something spiritually dynamic when we just make a public confession. And we just say, you know what? I am not perfect. And I realize that I need God. 
and I'm just going to get up out of my seat, and I'm going to go kneel down there in the front. We'll just make this line all the way across. It's out of bounds in basketball. It's an altar on Sunday morning. We're going to make this an altar. And maybe you're here as a young person, and maybe, maybe you've fallen into that trap that life is all about me. You know what you need to do? You need to repent. You need to ask God to forgive you because life is not all about you. And parents, I don't know, maybe you need some help. Hey, I've already hit the altar many times over the last several months. I've hit it. Because I've made some mistakes. Why don't you just bring it to God? Why don't you just say, God... Today I surrender. And that's the name of the song we were going to sing. Today, God, I surrender. And today I'm giving you my life. And today I am going to quit the mindset of thinking it's all about me because I only have two-fifths of a second in this movie. God, it's about you. If you will, let's play this song. I'm going to pray. And if you just need to come and pray, why don't you come? Father, Lord, I pray you help us today. God, we are in need of you right now. God, I just pray that right now you would speak to hearts. You'd speak to the lives of each one of us. And Father, you would help us to come to the point where we realize that life is not about me. Church is not about me. It's all about you. God, I pray you'd move in our hearts and in our lives. In Jesus' name. Well, thank you for joining us for this message from the Word of God. We know that the truth you have just heard will change your life if you believe it and intentionally apply it. If you need someone to pray with or maybe you just want someone to talk to, please call us at 618-622-9360. That's 618-622-9360. Or you can email us at victory at victorychurchonline.net. That's victory at victorychurchonline.net. If you're interested in obtaining more teaching materials or if you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, please contact us. You can call, email, or send a request to 715 Lake Point Center, Suite 109 in O'Fallon, Illinois. Or come check us out on the web at www.victorychurchonline.net. And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.